the way I think about creative is I think about it as creative destruction. And so I'm always pushing my team to think differently and think new. And so my goal is that 70 to 80% of the things that we do every single quarter are different and new. Um, so that's how I think about creativity. And so whether that is trying influencer marketing for the first time, which we just did, and that's been really successful. And so, okay, let's, let's, let's build on that. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, going to uh, investing in Gartner for the first time. And, and so every single thing that we're doing is really focused on what is new and what's different. And the thing that I love the most about marketing is that every single thing changes it every two years. Like the things that we were doing two to three years ago, we're probably not doing any of those now. And so I think of creativity as just always looking for new channels, new distribution methods, um, new content, new ways to reach customers that you probably hadn't thought of before. I'm Eric Fulweiler, and this is Scratch, bringing you marketing lessons from the leading brands and brains, rewriting the rulebook from scratch for the world of today. Hey everyone, really great conversation today with Jessica Gilmartin, who is the CMO of Calendly, a tech unicorn now with over 20 million users. You probably know them like I do as a uh, calendar scheduling tool, but they are so much more than that. And actually it was really fascinating in the conversation with Jessica, hearing how they've, you know, granted it started before she got there a year ago, but how she's really taken the new positioning around being a scheduling automation platform. And also from a business standpoint, not focusing on just trying to capture as many users as possible, but also how they integrate with other tools out there. So it really shifted my perspective. And I think it's a really interesting conversation of like a true category creator and how they've evolved. And before that, you'll hear, I mean, Jessica has a wealth of experience. She actually started in investment banking, um, but she was in marketing at Dell where she grew the notebooks business 40% year on year. At Google, she headed up product marketing and then Asana, she led revenue marketing as well. So a ton of experience to draw from. I really love kind of the crux of the conversation where we get into how she and the culture and organization at Calendly is really focused on the customer and really, really helpful, specifically actionable things that I think a lot of people listening can do differently in terms of rolling out changes internally and a couple of tools and partners that she and the team use that's really good. And then we talk about how you know when to kind of trust your gut and follow ideas versus looking at the data and looking at the numbers. And I think we really touched on something here of how you collaborate internally to develop a broader perspective of what's going to be right for the customer. We also talk about how you know what's working and what's not working. There's honestly a wealth of information in here. I think this is a really good one and you're going to enjoy it. So I will shut up and I will let you hear from Jessica Gilmartin of Calendly. Enjoy. Hey, Jessica, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate you making the time. Where are you calling in from today? I'm calling from Menlo Park, California. Amazing. Yeah. Been there a few times back in the days of opening the VaynerMedia office in San Francisco. Um, yeah, but actually I've been back through San Francisco recently. Have you been there for a while? Yes, yeah, since 2006. <laughs> I'm a third generation New Yorker and, and made my way out to California and can never leave. I loved it up there. Um, it was great professionally at the time, but then also I just loved that part of the world. I'm just curious. I know that we're off topic from the very beginning, but um, you know, you, you see all the headlines, everybody leaving San Francisco post-COVID, all that stuff. How how's it been from your perspective? Yeah, San Francisco, I would say it's not at its finest at this moment. Um, there's definitely, I think, the, the uh, quality of life, the high cost of living. I think it's very challenging, particularly for younger folks. 
to live there. And a lot of people are choosing to to leave San Francisco, move to other places that maybe have a more friendly quality of life. Here here in the suburbs, it's fantastic. You know, the, the weather is perfect. Uh, the quality of life is amazing. So, you know, it, it's interesting, even though I'm only 30 miles away from San Francisco, it literally feels like a different, a different state, a different country. So we, we don't feel it quite as much as people that live in San Francisco itself. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I guess that's me kind of lumping everything in that Bay Area uh, into San Francisco, but you're totally right. All right, cool. So uh, moving on to the actual questions that we had for today, starting with the question we ask every guest as an icebreaker, what is one challenger brand that you're particularly passionate about right now and why? Uh, yeah, so you talk about Bay Area. So it's really been interesting over the past couple of months. I've seen Brex, which is kind of an expense management platform. They they have decided to go very big with the brand campaign. And what's interesting is that it is very directly calling out sort of the the big um, their big competitor in the space. And it is everywhere, every billboard, bus stop, you know, side of bus, train station. You see these very pointed, direct. Um, comparisons to their competitor. And it's it's very bold, probably too bold for me, but I, I find it really interesting and, and have been curious to see their reaction and the response to that. We like bold, uh, as does our little CMO WhatsApp group that we have going. So we might have to pull that campaign and share it with them and see what they think. But it is interesting on that note, the kind of head to head. Who's the main competitor that they go after? Concur. Concur, yeah. Oh, man, I used Concur back in the day. I mean, I get it, at least from my perspective. Let's do for an upgrade. Um, we ha- so I don't know the sequence of when these episodes are going to be released, but at the end of last week, we recorded an interview with the head of marketing at DuckDuckGo. And as you can imagine, you know, a big part of their, well, product strategy as well as marketing strategy is kind of like not what Google and Apple does. And a lot of their their recent brand campaign was like very, I don't know if you saw it, but kind of like very um, aggressive, in my opinion, probably justifiably so. Like it made total sense how they went about trying to tell that story. But that is, if what we're doing at Rival and with this podcast is trying to understand what drives the growth of successful challenger brands, that's definitely one page from the playbook that you can pull and throw out there is going really head to head. Um, Just be curious, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, I think as we get into the Calendly conversation, probably less relevant, because at least in my experience like Calendly was kind of the category creator for me back in the day. And now, of course, you know, and I know we're skipping ahead, but I used it until we got HubSpot at um, Rival. And now it's just kind of like all bundled together. And I'm, I'm sure you have kind of a, a point of view on that. Um, but how do you do you think about kind of head to head at all or e- either for Calendly or kind of in your experience as a CMO and some of the amazing um you know, brands and businesses that you've worked at that I would have touched on in the intro that I'll record afterwards. How do you think about it? Do you recommend that as kind of an approach? I'm sure it's kind of situational, but would just love your thoughts on that topic. It's very situational. And I've, I've always had a really interesting perspective. I've always had CMOs that have really strong opinions on this. And so it, it definitely has shaped me because of that. Um, and, and the feelings that my CMOs and, and that I've always had is that you have to be competitive aware, but not competitive obsessed. Because if you spend all your time thinking about competitors, you really lose sight of your customers, your market, the thing that differentiates you. Um, And so I think it's important to understand the competitive landscape, but it ultimately always has to come back to what's the value that you're providing to your customers, what's your unique selling proposition. And it has to be 
in with respect to your competitors. But I have found that companies that are obsessed with competitors, they lose their eye on the most important thing, which is their customers. So that's kind of how I think about it. I don't spend that much time thinking about competitors. Um, I think I spend a little bit of time, but I spend most of our time thinking about our customers. Yeah, makes total sense. I mean, really, that's where all growth comes from at the end of the day is being able to deliver better, different, faster value to the customer. And so having an understanding or like how you put it, being aware but not obsessed, having an understanding of how competitors are doing that or trying to do that is probably good. But at the end of the day, it's not going to give you the answers. What's going to give you the answers is actually having an understanding of what the customer's needs are and being able to build the brand and the product in that direction. Yeah. So, um, all right. Can you just give us a quick overview? I think probably everybody listening will be aware of Calendly, but I know there's been a lot of kind of updates and you know new uh, new features and offerings from the business. So can you give us an overview of what Calendly is today? Absolutely. So yeah, as you said, probably everybody knows Calendly. If, if you ever received a calendar link, um, if you ever received uh, anybody asking you to set up some time with them and they send you a beautiful, simple to use link, that's Calendly. And I think what's been interesting over the past few years is that we've evolved pretty significantly. So we kind of say we're the world's largest scheduling automation platform. And so when you think about all of the complicated or simple scheduling needs that you have, um, we, you know, we, we offer it, um, everything from automated routing on your website so that prospects get directly to your salespeople. Um, if you're for recruiters to really have very sophisticated workflows to do candidate management for salespeople who have to schedule very, very complex, multiple multi-thread, um, scheduling with, you know, with their CEO, with their head of sales, with their sales engineer, with their SDRs, uh, Calendly manages all of that. Okay, cool. Um, and not to make this a focus group of one, but I would imagine we as a potential customer are prop, you know, fit somewhere in one of the larger segments for you, which is people start using it, the freemium offering, but then of course the basic calendar scheduling, and as you just said, there's so much more that Calendly does right now in terms of scheduling automation overall, but the basic calendar book a time with me is often bundled within other CRM platforms. Um, and so is that like, how does that is that an accurate kind of depiction of a lot of what you're trying to change in the market? Is that kind of how the business, are, are you focused on that in terms of how to grow? Yeah, I'd say our biggest, to talk about competitors, our biggest competitive advantage by far is that we have uh, hundreds of integrations. And so, you know, many of the tools that are out there that do scheduling, they are very focused on scheduling for their own tool and their own tool only. But because Calendly is the market leader, everybody wants to integrate us and everybody finds value in that. So you know, regardless of what CRM you're using, regardless of what uh, applicant management tool you're using, regardless of what um, uh, sales outreach tool you're using, we integrate with it and we make it a really seamless process. So you mentioned HubSpot. We actually, uh, we were at a HubSpot conference recently and they just gave us an award because we are the number one used app in HubSpot of 1500 apps. And so there's huge value in having that bundle of Calendly Plus the workflows that you're already using. And so I'd say like the that's really the the advantage is the integrations and also the fact that you know we are both horizontal and deeply deeply vertical. And so, you know, if one company wants to use one scheduling solution for every part of the organization, they can, but it uh, they don't have to compromise with the features and the functions that a salesperson needs versus a recruiter needs, the CEO needs. And so that's really our huge competitive advantage. 
Okay, cool. So you can sit on top of any existing CRM and the automation, the scheduling automation overall, that experience, that offering is going to be likely better than whatever kind of the bundled product is within HubSpot or a Salesforce, something like that. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, we always talk about, obviously, as we know, during the COVID years, it was all about tool proliferation, right? We've had, had every single tool known to mankind. And then all of a sudden, 2022 hit, and it was all about uh, retrenchment and getting rid of tools. And I really believe that this is a world where we're moving to tool integration, where everything has to work together. Um, I'm sure you've seen all the studies that show how many times we have, you know, an average person switches between tools. It's literally hundreds and hundreds of times a day. It is very draining and productivity destroying. And so I believe that any product and any tool that figures out how to work with the rest of your tools and just creates one surface for you to go to will be the tool that wins. Makes total sense. So it's kind of a departure from the walled garden. I only want people to spend time within my tool to uh, we make a tool that is best in class, offers the most value to your point before that can integrate with anything else you use. Cool. Super smart. Yeah. Because I guess the, you know, I think a lot of people would think of what they probably think Calendly was or is as like a, you know, that whole cliche of is it a product or a feature, but the way that you just described it makes total sense. And it sounds like kind of the positioning and and product road mapping exercise that has been done over the last couple of years is starting to pay off. Um, so I'd be curious on that when it comes to, you know, mentioned scheduling automation. Um, how, I know you've been there for, I think it's been about a year, right? Yeah, almost exactly a year. Cool. Um, and was that a positioning that you came up with? Did it exist before? And I guess either way, to the extent that you can share, how did Calendly get to that positioning and have kind of such a clear, seemingly pretty compelling, uh, positioning of kind of where the market's going and how you're going to fit in from a brand and a product perspective? It's a, it's a great question. I wish that I could take full credit for it. <laughs> it was kind of in motion when I joined and then I really kind of helped solidify it uh, right, right within the first couple of months. It, it, it always has to come from the product, right? So you can't have a marketing position without really deeply understanding the product and going back to, again, um, our customers. So our positioning came from where we saw the best product market fit and where we saw the happiest, most engaged customers. Uh, and a lot of it was talking to our sales team and understanding, you know, why did they win deals and why did they lose deals? Um, a lot of it was talking to our customer support team and our, you know, and our um, CSMs, our support managers. So really deeply understanding, number one, you know, why are we winning and losing deals? Number two, looking at competitors and saying, where do they fit into this and um, where are they going versus where we're going? And number three, really having that perspective on where the market is going. And, you know, a lot of this is is gut. You know, not all of this can be around data. Um, and ultimately, it has to be, we have to have a viewpoint on where we believe the market is going and where can we have the longest com sustained competitive advantage. Uh, and, you know, the, the market is so competitive for every tool out there right now. It's, it's an unbelievably competitive marketplace for software. There's so many entrants into every single, um, in, into every single type of category. And so it's, you have to have something that you do better than everybody else. And in our case, we have a couple of things that we do better, which is fantastic. And so you really have to double down on those things. So we, you know, it's not easy. We spent months and months and months and months working through these things. 
uh, to come up with with these uh, these positioning and these kind of differentiation differentiation statements. And we use this for um, for everything that we do now. So for sales, for um, all of our branding, all of our ads, our website, everything has some flavor of how we are different, how we are unique. Oh man, I have so many so many questions I want to ask you on this. This is such good stuff. Um, and I definitely share that point of view. You know, my biggest soapbox rant hill that I will die on, especially when it comes to talking to tech businesses, is your positioning is not what your product does. It's what it does that different from the competitive set. And it's, you know, talking to another CMO, it's like, yeah, of course. But as I'm sure you've seen, and although you've worked with some pretty established and um, I'm sure pretty mature marketing functions at the businesses that you've been at, but... I'm sure you've still seen a lot of these kind of tech-led businesses where marketing is not that mature and the positioning kind of says what it does but doesn't say why it's different. And even for us, kind of the framework and methodology that we use around our brand positioning work aligns on the triangulation of the audience need, the product benefit functionally and emotionally, and the category convention that you're challenging to really align on that point of difference. So I love that. Um, Okay, I think I'm going to... Okay, so what I want to dig into on that really around kind of, let's call it customer centricity, understanding your audience, your ICP, and then figuring out how to evolve the brand and the product uh, around that. But let's start with, I'd love to understand, you know, you've mentioned a couple times now, it's about understanding the customer need. Practically, how do you do that with your team? Do you have certain meetings that you schedule? Is there a certain budget? Do you have a research agency? How do you ensure that you're actually understanding what customer needs are. And then I want to come back to what you said of sometimes it is instinct as well, but let's focus on kind of the, the quant qual data side of actually understanding the customer. How do you do that on a practical level at Calendly? Yes. You mentioned all the, those things. We do all those above. <laughs> so we do everything. Um, so we use a, uh, we use a, a service called closed, which is actually quite, kind of interesting. I never used them before. And uh, they're a great service where they interview hundreds of our close deals every year, win and loss. And so we get really, really great qualitative data around why we win and lose deals. And that gets published to everybody in the company. And so we can go into a lot of detail um, exactly why somebody chose to use this. And sometimes it's, um, you know, hey, uh, we had, we, we bought the enterprise plan because we needed these security features. And that's really helpful for us to understand. You know, okay, great, we, we win big deals because we have these critical security features. And that really has helped us to say, hey, we have to have a really robust security platform. Um, and uh, sometimes you know, we, we lose deals because we didn't do a great job during the sales process. And that's really helpful for us to understand too. And we can give that feedback. So number one is just uh, you know, using this sort of systematic approach to interviewing customers, which I've never seen before. And it's fantastic. The second one is um, we have a customer Slack channel and people constantly post across the board. So everybody that talks to customers are posting there multiple times a day. And so it'll be um, usually, hey, this person just wrote into customer support and you know they, they said they chose Calendly because of XYZ or um, you know, a, uh, a CSM will say, hey, this person um, had a great onboarding experience and now they're using Calendly for this use case that we didn't realize before. And so we just try to make that part of our everyday um, just, just everything that we do uh, every single day is just people posting that are part close to the customers. And then at almost every all hands, 
we will do, um, we will either have a customer come in or we will do some kind of customer spotlight. So, you know, and uh, that is that the company all hands and then my marketing all hands, we also bring in customers constantly and we interview them and we ask them, you know, why they chose Calendly, what do they use it for, um, what are things that they would use differently. So, uh, and then at our big kickoff every year, we bring customers in multiple times for panels. So we just kind of have it infused in everything that we do. We also have a sales intelligence tool that we are constantly pulling snippets and my solutions marketing team is responsible for, I mean, they, they listen to hundreds of customer calls and they take a lot of those snippets and they use those um, to do our website copy, to do our positioning because they're literally taking the words that our customers say um, and they use it in our messaging. And I, I always tell uh, everybody that works for me that the, the best way to articulate our value proposition is how do our customers talk about us? Because that's actually the thing that matters. It's not what we say, it's what our customers say. There's so much good stuff in there. And I, I do want to say quickly, I think that idea of a customer Slack channel, you know, again, like I said, we're always trying to focus on like, what's the actionable thing? That is such a obvious, you know, maybe not super easy depending on the size of the organization, but like a thing that you, if you're listening in a marketer, you can take that and run with it internally. Um, one of the things that I love to say is I think that good marketing makes the organizations they work for more customer centric. And that's such an easy and obvious one of like, you could put that win on the board next week, next month, certainly next year, or recording at the end of December now. So I really love that one. Um, before we move on to kind of, I do want to ask you about the idea-led data-driven dynamic and how you make those decisions. You mentioned solutions marketing. It's one I don't hear of a lot. I'd love like a better definition of what that looks for within, what that looks like within Calendly. But then also made me realize, I should probably ask like, what is the structure of your team right now? What are kind of the different uh, disciplines that you have sitting within marketing? So it's a pretty typical B2B organization. So I have a head of growth who manages our website and our lifecycle marketing. So really responsible for the PLG, the product-led growth side of the business. Um, and you know his, his KPIs are all about signups, activations, conversion, monetization. I have a head of product marketing, solutions marketing. So he runs the um, all of our product marketers, so basically our, our go-to-market with our launches, our solutions marketing, which I'm happy to talk about a little bit more, as well as our um, partner marketing. Uh, and um, and our on our sort of webinar, a lot of our content marketing through our B two B, at sort of our enterprise marketing. Then I have a head of communications and content, and she's responsible for the the writing, the PR, the AR, um, international marketing, our social marketing, our event marketing, and then finally I have a uh, head of revenue marketing, and he's responsible for our demand generation, our paid marketing operations, and analytics. So pretty typical. Um, everyone has kind of a wide breadth, but then they have you know individual teams that go much deeper and have that kind of very specific functional expertise. Okay, super helpful. Just kind of paint the picture of what your world looks like and how you're delivering on some of these things. So talking about, in my mind, I always think of idea-led versus data-driven, you know, also to frame up this conversation, there's the whole Steve Jobs, Henry Ford, if you ask people what they wanted, it would have said, they would have said a faster horse. Um, you know, one of one of the other interviews we did recently that I really liked, the CMO of a brand called Jim Box here in the UK. And I remember he, I forget exactly what he said, but it was something like, I don't even pay attention to the customer surveys. I just work with my team to come up with cool ideas that I think are going to work. So let's take that at like the extreme end of the spectrum. I think most marketers are somewhere between there and like, I'm only going to do what the customer tells me. 
I guess the, you know, and I don't think there really is an answer. It is instinctual. It is, you know, the experiences that you've honed over time that pull you in one direction or the other. But is there any light you can shed that might be helpful for people listening that might not be at the level, don't have the experience that you do to have that instinct? How do you know when to be, or how do you make the decisions of when to listen to what customers are saying they want versus you or your team coming up with an idea that hasn't been asked for yet? I think what I have seen, the mistake that people make is that they do things in a vacuum and particularly marketers. Um, and, and I was 100% guilty of that earlier in my career was thinking that I knew best and not really wanting to take feedback from other parts of the organization. And what I've realized as I've gotten um, older and more senior and more experienced is that uh, it, it really comes from everybody having a deep intuition about the customer and the market and the product. And I, as a marketer, don't have the same intuition that, say, my CPO does or my CEO does. And so as I've gotten more experience, I've realized that so much, there's so much knowledge and there's so much intuition from people that have done this for so many years. And particularly my CEO, you know, he, he single-handedly built this category. He has lived and breathed this for 10 years. And so I think that partnership with your CEO is really important and really embracing that partnership and really bringing them in. Um, as opposed to trying to keep them out. I know a lot of marketers try to keep people out of their of their world. And, and I really think the opposite, which is I really want to encourage everybody that has an instinct and intuition and understanding of the market, the product, the customer to be part of the conversation and to help drive our story, to help drive our messaging. I think that's honestly one of the biggest failures of marketing is they marketers is they want to do it on their own and they don't want any interference. And I, I kind of think it should be the opposite. Yeah. It makes me, uh, one of the things that I like to say is that marketing really should be the bridge between the needs in the market and the value that the product delivers. And what you said and how it's going to change slightly how I think about that, I think it's the same quote, at least in my mind, but it really is about kind of collecting the perspective and instincts and experiences of the different dimensions of the business internally. And through that diversity of perspective and experience, it helps you as a marketer hone your gut on what the right idea is. It's not marketing kind of sitting in a silo. And actually, the second thing for me that really bubbled to the top that I'm definitely going to take away from that is it's, yes, it's about marketing experience. You see enough campaigns, you know, fail and succeed, and you start to kind of hopefully get smarter as time goes on. But it really is about immersing yourself and having that instinctual understanding of the customer and what their needs are. That's going to guide you much more than just kind of basic general uh, marketing experience. Yeah, there's there's nothing worse than seeing generic ad campaigns that could be, you know, you could assign to any company and any product. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately has to be something that is truly unique and different and speaks to your customer in a way that only you can. Um, and I think otherwise, just kind of lazy marketing. Love that. There's some type of uh, campaign or slogan or t-shirt of rallying against lazy marketing. I think we could pick up on that. So the kind of last uh, part of this train of thought that, you know, you kicked off in my head probably 15 minutes ago now um, is I want to get a better understanding of how you know what's working and what's not working. So the focus on the customer, I think that was super interesting. The idea-led versus data-driven, great. But then you're putting stuff out into the world right? Or you're putting stuff out into the organization internally, because I would imagine that 
you know, just hearing you talk for a little bit, you're probably going to agree with the statement that the integration between marketing and product is just as important as the integration between marketing and the market. So how do you know when you decide to do something as CMO with your marketing team, with your marketing budget, how do you track what's working, what's not, and make changes based on what you see? So we are very, very big into testing. We test everything. And so we have a pretty robust testing plan for both our website, for all of our ads, um, really even for events. So what we do is, you know, every event we go to, we'll, we'll test a different message and then we'll get tons of feedback afterwards about how it worked and how it resonates. Uh, we also do a huge amount of listening to sales calls and pulling out snippets and sort of saying, hey, what's resonating, what's not. Uh, we also obviously do really, you know, brand surveys once a year. So we're looking at our, our key messages getting across to our core customer. So I think all of in all those different ways, we're kind of understanding whether the messages are resonating. Um, we do huge amounts of email testing. And the, the advantage of Calendly is that we have millions and millions and millions of users. And so we can actually get a pulse very quickly on whether things are working or not. So that's that's a big advantage of the scale is that we can get to stats it on all of our testing you know, almost immediately. And so I think that that's just a really important part of every strategy, especially with B2B um, brands, is just a, a constant um, focus on iterative testing and message testing um, to understand what's working or not. And then really, really good analysts and really good data and really good attribution tools to be able to understand those, those correlations. It can be really hard um, because especially in B2B, there's a long selling process and there's probably 15 touches before somebody gets from you know point A to point B. And so you really have to think a lot about the, the data there and, and how do you attribute things even indirectly. Be curious just hearing you, you know, the answer to that question and then also getting to know you a little bit over the last 30 minutes. What is the role of creativity for you within Calendly and how you think about a CMO? Because it's you know, granted mostly because of the questions that I've asked, but I feel like we've covered a lot of um, kind of rational, logical, very kind of data-driven. And I'm just curious, um, you know, sometimes we hear from CMOs who are like, I have a test and learn budget, or I put aside, you know, money and time every year just to do crazy stuff and see if it's going to work. Or I'm thinking of Rory from Jim Box and the insane stuff that he and the team are doing. How does kind of the creativity, the, you know, let's just do something kind of weird, maybe weird isn't on brand, but I think you know what I'm getting at. Like, where does that fit into your kind of mind map or how you set up the team and the budget at Calendly? So I think you could define creativity in very different ways. And I think if you talk to a B2C CMO, they'll talk about it very differently than a B2B CMO. Um, the way I think about creative is I think about it as creative destruction. And so I'm always pushing my team to think differently and think new. And so my goal is that 70 to 80% of the things that we do every single quarter are different and new. Um, so that's how I think about creativity. And so whether that is trying influencer marketing for the first time, which we just did, and that's been really successful. And so, okay, let's, let's, let's build on that. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, going to uh, investing in Gartner for the first time. And, and so every single thing that we're doing is really focused on what is new and what's different. And the thing that I love the most about marketing is that every single thing changes it with every two years. Like the things that we were doing two to three years ago, we're probably not doing any of those now. And so I think of creativity as just always looking for new channels, new distribution methods, um, new content, new ways to reach customers that you probably hadn't thought of before. And I think the, the, I'm very fortunate that I have a team that really embraces that 
and wants to challenge themselves and wants to think differently. And so we kind of all push each other to always be reinventing our jobs and reinventing the things that we're doing. That's how I think of creativity. Um, definitely, I, I used to run a B2C brand, totally different, right? Creativity was very much about these kind of big, crazy stunts and trying all sorts of, you know, sort of silly things on on Facebook and that totally has a place. But for a B2B brand, I think you have to stand for something and have to kind of uh, stand for something over time. And uh, and so I think there's less room for the like creative hijinks, maybe that you would see in a B2C brand. And that's that's kind of more, more, my, more my speed. So did you say that you try to make sure that 70 to 80% of what you're doing is new and different? Yes. Oh, wow. And and not like, you know, we're, we're turning off email one day and we're only going to TikTok at that level of different. But, you know, if you look at our ads from six months ago, they are 100% different than their ads, this, this, what they're doing now. If you look at the, um, the channels that we're using for our ad distribution, they are significantly different than they were. Um, if you look at our social marketing strategy, it's very different. If you look at what the content team, team is putting out, very different than it was. And so you can kind of go on and on and on with, if you look at how how every single part of the team has evolved, it looks fundamentally different than it did a quarter before or six months before. Okay. I love that. And I don't think I've heard that term creative destruction, but I really like it. And um, if someone had asked like to come up with the term or a slogan for marketing at Calendly, it's probably not what I would have thought of, but actually I'm going to go take a closer look and kind of see where that's showing up. I'm curious how that kind of manifests within the team. Is it a, you know, I'm sure it's just kind of like a general push in the culture of the team that you're building within the marketing function, but is there like a quarterly review where you're going through and being like, great, you know, these fall below the threshold, therefore we're going to replace them. How do you practically operationally push the team and the organization to be trying and doing so many new and different things? So I'm, if you ask my team, I'm, I'm not sure if they would say that this is a good or a bad thing, but if you ask my team, I'm, I uh, am very empowering. And so my, really my goal is I just set very high goals and I set very clear objectives. And then it's my team's job to come up with the key, the, with the key, key results, the KRs. And then they also come up with all the activities that support it. So basically my job is to say, this is where we're going. And then it's their job to figure out how are you going to get there? And so what we do at the beginning of every quarter is we come up with all of our key results. Then they push that down to each of the individual team members who come up with all the activities that will ladder up to those key results. Then we bubble those up to the surface and then I review every single one and say, okay, you know, yes, no, uh, I think we should push more here. I think we should do less here. And then that is our plan of record for the quarter. And then we just, we just push and push and push to get there. And I don't ever have to tell my team, you know, hey, push harder or try this. They just, that's just the team that we have built. And that's the culture that we have built. And that's the team that I have. And and to be honest, when I joined a year ago, I don't think that we had necessarily that team. And so over the course of the year, we have either seen people step up and kind of embrace that and decide that that's actually a really exciting thing that they want to do. And we've had people that said, you know what, this isn't really for me and have opted out. And so I think over time, we have found the, the people within the marketing organization that are excited to constantly push themselves and to do new things and to learn more and to make more of an impact. And so it's not something that I do. It's not something that I, I don't, I, I do not know um, as much about my individual functions as anybody does, right? I know less about every single thing than the individual people on my team. So I'm certainly not going to go to, you know, my demand gen team 
and tell them they should be spending more money on this versus that. That would be stupid because I do not know better than them. But what I'm, I'm asking them a lot of questions and I'm pushing them pretty hard um, to think differently. And then we are, we, you know, we do monthly recaps of our OKRs. We read them out. I mean, we, every week we look at our pacing. So we create an organization where there's high accountability and there's high visibility when things aren't going well. So we're, and do you do annual OKRs as well or just quarterly? We do annual objectives, which I, which to me are the very high level objectives that we want to make sure those are kind of the big rocks for the year. And then we do quarterly KRs. And quarterly KRs. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, so I don't know if you're a calendar or fiscal year, but recording this at the end of December, whether it is part of your new objectives for 2024 or just thinking about the next 12 months, uh, what are you most excited about on the marketing roadmap for Calendly to the extent that you can share? So um, not surprisingly, we are doing a big push into AI. Of course, we have to. <laughs> but but the, the great thing and, and what's been really interesting in talking to our board members, for example, is they said the reason that they're really excited about our roadmap is that there's actually a, um, a really significant value that Calendly can provide with AI. And so if you look at a lot of companies that are trying to kind of shoehorn AI into their storyline, it doesn't necessarily fit. Um, there's actually um, a pretty magical um, addition and sort of uh, tools and automation and value that we can provide to our customers using AI. So I'm super, super excited about that. And those are that we, we already have it in beta and we're coming out with it next year. And then we are launching kind of a whole suite of new tools that really focus around the meeting lifecycle. So not just the scheduling, but kind of the work before and afterwards. And so as a marketer, the thing that I'm thinking a lot about is how do I uh, help people understand you know, that Calendly is not just a scheduling solution, but that we are going much more into meeting lifecycle and that we are helping to make meetings more successful, not just the scheduling more successful. So it's kind of like a marketer's dream and nightmare a little bit, which is taking a product that everybody knows and understands for this very specific thing and really trying to retell our story. So that's, I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. State of scheduling report, um, I believe it was released back in November. So it's been out for a month. I guess, what are you, what are you seeing from a marketing standpoint that's most interesting within that? And then probably related, you know, you worked at Google, so the whole kind of like hero hub hygiene model. How does, I would assume this would go into the hero content bucket for you. So kind of the fewer, bigger, better um, pieces of content that you do throughout the year that can really break through. How does that fit into a business like Calendly? Because you know, and maybe this was, I saw a note in here about kind of focusing more on enterprise businesses as well. But I think of kind of the big hero white paper pieces as more like, you know, bigger enterprise B2B. And so maybe that's where you're going. But I also think of Calendly as like, you know, you have millions of customers and SMBs and things like that as well. So yeah, what's interesting about the report um, from your perspective as a marketer? And then how does hero content like this fit into your marketing strategy? So yeah, this is kind of one of the first times we've ever done this. And I love these kind of pieces. I love these big hero pieces because, uh, you know, I think they're, they're so valuable in terms of number one, understanding your market, understanding your customers, but then also really having a story to tell and being a thought leader. And I think that that's just so important um, when people think about brands they trust and brands they want to partner with is, is really working with brands that are on the cutting edge and are helping them do their jobs better. And so the C to scheduling report was really interesting because, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was shocking, but it was a really interesting validation of what I think all of us are feeling, which is we, we looked at you know thousands of knowledge workers and every single person is really excited about AI. So I think 95% of people were like dying to use AI. 
and very few people are actually using it. <laughs> right. And so like, it's actually not surprising because when you, when I talk to all of my friends and colleagues um, and acquaintances and I ask them, what are they using for AI? Everyone kind of says the same thing, which is what are you using? And we all kind of ask each other and I feel like no one has a great answer yet. And so I think it's, uh, it's one of those things which has gotten, I think we're kind of at the peak of the hype cycle in terms of AI. And I think next couple of years is going to be one of those like put up moments where we have to actually deliver value um, as people that build products, as people that build software and sell software. I think the important thing for me is how do we actually put AI into our products in a way that uh, provides real value. Um, and one of the, the things that we saw was that um, people spend hours and hours and hours scheduling every week, not surprisingly. So one out of four people spend four hours a week scheduling meetings. And so that's the exciting thing for us for Calendly is really using that insight and saying, hey, we think we can use AI to make this really seamless and remove hours of annoying administrative burden to help people do something that they really love doing. I love it. And then is that a report that you're going to do every year? Are there other kind of hero pieces that you're planning as well? Yeah. So we are definitely planning to do that every year. And, and one thing that we've been pushing really hard and we've finally gotten organizational support for is to really use our own data to understand trends within our customers. I mean, we obviously schedule you know, hundreds of millions of meetings through Calendly. So we have tons of great data that um, for me can be used for thought leadership and, and also can be used to help our customers make better decisions around meetings. You know, I mean, scheduling in itself doesn't sound that sexy, but when you think about what it enables, when you think about how many hundreds of millions of people rely on external meetings to feed their families, um, it, it really makes it valuable and exciting for me to think about, hey, how I, can I make that experience better for them? How can I help them understand what meetings will, um, will allow them to be more successful? How do they create more successful meetings? How do they get meetings scheduled better? Um, that, that's the stuff that drives me as a marketer is, is knowing that I can improve my customers' lives. Love it. All right. I think that's a great place to end the bulk of the conversation. But before I let you go, let's do our lightning round. So quick one or two sentence answers to the following five questions. First, what was the first marketing job that you ever had? It was a very silly job. I Between my first and second year of business school, I was a marketing intern at Harris Casino in Atlantic City. Oh, wow. That must have been interesting. I mean, talk about data. They must have had some fascinating troves to work with. It was something. Uh, decided you did not want to pursue a career in marketing for casinos, I guess. Second question, what was the best piece of career advice you ever received? Uh, don't focus on title. Don't focus on job description. Don't focus on promotion. Just focus on making an impact. So true. I, yeah, making an impact. And I think trajectory of growth or how much you learn in each opportunity. Man, if I could go back 20 years and give myself that advice. Um, third question, what's the best brand campaign you've seen recently? Uh, so I don't know if it's the best, but it's the most memorable. So my, um, we watch a lot of baseball in my house because of my kids. And there is like a Burger King, Burger King just um, advertised incessantly during baseball. And so my kids sang the Burger King Whopper song like all summer. They did not stop for one second. So I'm going to say that that has been pretty memorable for me. And I still can get that song out of my head. I only know like the, I'm not going to sing it just to save both of us. But is there more than just the one line? Is there a whole song to it? Um, yes. Yes, there is. I think there's at least a few lines. And there was a whole social campaign around it. And my kids are right in that perfect TikTok YouTube age. And so I think they, they just did a great job of surrounding 
that group with this destined message. And I, I'm I actually really impressed by it. What is a marketing tool that you can't live without? Uh, so anything data related, obviously. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to go with that. Then I think one of the big tools that we use that is sort of the cornerstone of our data is segment. And we use that kind of as the basis for for all of our all of our marketing data. Lastly, what is one thing people should do differently after listening to this episode? I think we had a really great conversation about being more inclusive and bringing the rest of your management team and your executive team and, and really making marketing uh, more democratized around your organization. So I suggest trying that. Totally agree. Jessica, thanks so much for your time. I'll let you get on with your day in Menlo Park. Thanks very much, Eric. Appreciate it. Scratch is a production of Rival. We are a marketing innovation consultancy that helps businesses develop strategies and capabilities to grow faster. If you want to learn more about us, check out wearerival.com. If you want to connect with me, email me at eric at wearerival.com or find me on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, share with anyone you think might enjoy it, and please do leave us a review. Thanks for listening and see you next week.